Well, hello, friends. Welcome to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm going to be your host today. If this is your first time listening, I would love to chat with you, so send me an email at hello at capitalcitychristian.org. Boy, it's my favorite time of year, Christmas time. Christmas music, spending extra time with family, eating delicious food, and special Christmas sweets. I love it. We're kicking off a new series today called Christmas. It's about how the best laid plans and ideas that we have for how Christmas will go can turn into a complete mess. Our senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc Pattison, is starting the series talking about what to do when our dreams turn into a mess. Let's go ahead and get started. Don't forget, guys, that in the back of the room over there, there's a room that's marked prayer across the top. One of our elders is in that room praying for you guys. And if anybody wants prayer during this time, wants to pray with them, please just step onto the back there and they'll be glad to pray with you during this time. It's, it's annoying to have Kim up here host the service, isn't it? I mean, she loves Christmas so much. It's just annoying, isn't it? I, I don't know why I like her, but I kind of do. Because um, we're kind of polar opposites when it comes to this thing. It's the most wonderful time of the year, right? Really? I mean, that's what, that's what the song says. And then it goes on when the, with the kids jingle belling, whatever the heck that means, and everyone telling you be of good cheer, which for a grump like me is annoying. Most wonderful time of the year, right? Best I can say is that it probably is a bittersweet time of the year, Right? It is. I mean, gifts are cool. Debt isn't. Did you know about, I think it's a little more than 28% of us are still paying off last year's Christmas. And we're incurring more debt right now. Christmas is about family, right? Which is cool for some. For other people, the epic blowout you're going to have in the next couple of weeks are going to be awful, right? Great food. I love Christmas food. I really do. And then on January the 2nd, I get to step on the scales. It's not going to be pretty. Most wonderful time of the year. How many of you guys uh, are going to try flying on a plane this Christmas season? You know, you don't have to raise your hand if you want, but have you you ever seen a Christmas airport? Okay. Have you ever seen a mall parking lot at the Christmas time? Is that not incredible? How many of you guys are looking forward to all the Christmas specials? I'm glad I don't see any hands. I see one. Daggone it. Get your hand down. How many of you guys in the room would love to block the Hallmark uh, channel for the next couple of weeks? There we go. We have men standing. (laughs) Christmas music. I mean, how many times can you listen to All I Want for Christmas is You before you snap and hurt somebody? I've already declared my office a Christmas music-free zone. By the way, does anybody, anybody really like fruitcake? I see one there, and in the first service, I had a guy right up. I've got more in the back. That's ridiculous. That fruitcake that you're eating has been around for 15 years. But it is Christmas. Some guys are so excited, obviously. Some kids are so excited. And even as a Grinch, I've got to admit, some parts of it are pretty fun. I, I do love watching the faces as they open their gifts, don't you? Little guys as they open their gifts, it's just incredible. And I love the food, obviously. And I love the family, and I love the reason for the season. So we're going to try to make it one of the most wonderful times of the year. But 
Things always go wrong during the holidays, don't they? I mean, so many times. Now, this isn't a Christmas holiday, but I can remember one of Julie's and my epic fails holiday. Back when we were in seminary a long time ago, Julie and I were dirt poor. I was pastoring a little tiny church in Jenkins, Kentucky. One family had been especially kind to us, taking care of us, so we wanted to treat them for Thanksgiving. So we scrapped together everything we could and prepared the most exquisite meal we could figure out so we could invite them to our place after church. Put the turkey in the oven, went to church. After church, brought them home all excited. And someone had forgotten to turn the oven on, right? So this family has to take us out for Thanksgiving. Holiday meal flop. You have any of those? I read this story about a Christmas. I can't top this one. This one's better. This lady writes, I was taking a shower when my two-year-old son came into the bathroom and wrapped himself in toilet paper. He made a mess, but he looked adorable. So I ran for my camera, took a few shots. They came out so well that I had copies made, included one with each of our Christmas cards. Days later, a relative called about the picture, laughing hysterically, suggesting I take a closer look. Puzzled, I stared at the photo, was shocked to discover that in addition to my son, I had captured my reflection in the mirror wearing nothing but a camera. That's a Christ mess, Christmas. I mean, Christmases, we see pictures like these. They're on TV, you know, all over the place. Gorgeous, exquisite, perfect. That is not our experience of Christmas. Our experience of Christmas looks more like this, does it not? Okay? Not so gorgeous, not so exquisite, not so perfect. Here's the deal if we had any idea how messy. That first Christmas was, perhaps we wouldn't be surprised at how messy ours get. Because we always measure our reality against someone else's myth. That's what we do, right? I mean, this is how a lot of people picture that first Christmas. This is our picture. Baby Jesus is clean, bright-eyed, and serene. Mary looks like she's ready for a first century prom, right? Shepherds are clean-cut, they're perfect gentlemen. The animals are laying there all quiet-like. How many of you guys have been around cows and sheep and donkeys? They don't look like that. They don't smell like that. The floor doesn't look like that. Do you have any idea how shepherds looked in the first century world? And have you ever seen a baby just after birth and a mama just after birth? I mean, some of you guys have. And I'm telling you guys, a post-birth mama is a scary thing to look at. Matthew 1.18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to a guy named Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, while a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Mary was engaged to be married, but before the marriage took place, Those two words, they describe a reversal, don't they? Was, but. It can be good or bad. If the was was bad, the but is good. If the was was good, the but is bad. I was mystified as to what to get my wife for Christmas, but she told me what she wanted, and it didn't involve gold or diamonds. That was good, really good. The Cowboys was going to make a run at the Super Bowl. The Oregon Ducks was going to have a shot at the college football playoffs. The Cats was going to have a chance at a perfect season, right? But 
Those are not so great was, buts, right? Mary's was was pretty good. The but was a mess. If she was normal, and Mary probably was, she was probably 12 to 14 years old. That was marriage age back then. She's engaged, which is kind of like one of our engagements, but kind of like one of our engagements on steroids, right? I mean, if she wanted out of the engagement, she couldn't just hand back the ring. She had to go through a divorce. And if she cheated on him, it was considered adultery, and legally he could have her executed in that world. But still, undoubtedly, she's excited. A wedding is coming. Joseph looks like a really decent guy. They're going to have some kids. All their hopes and dreams are just on the edge, right? That was her was. This is her but. So God sends this angel to Mary. and She's a virgin. She's engaged to get married. And he tells Mary, great news, Mary. You're going you're to have a kid. You're, you're pregnant. You're going to have God's kid. Great news, huh? Now she's engaged and she's pregnant. And it's not Joseph's baby. And there is nobody, there is nobody who's going to buy her story that she hadn't cheated on Joseph or hadn't slept with Joseph. He's not going to buy it. Her parents aren't going to buy it. His parents aren't going to buy it. The old biddies down the street aren't going to buy it. Her preacher certainly isn't going to buy it. And then her belly starts swelling till she's nearly as big as a house, right? Now, not long after I came to Capital City about 25 years ago, Cheryl Thompson was nearly as big as a house, right? And she was playing piano at the time, so I had the foolishness to stand up here where there was a pulpit and teasing her about how she could barely even reach the keys on the piano. So the next week, I stepped to the pulpit and I found a paper that looked something like this on the pulpit, She had placed it there. It shows the images of a woman at different stages of pregnancy. It had an arrow pointing to about nine months, and all she had scrawled on it was, what's your excuse? (laughs) It's one of the best comebacks I've ever had. It was cool. Well, Cheryl, let me tell you what my excuse is. I'm going to show you right there. Coca-Cola, bacon, and chocolate. Okay? Pretty good excuse, isn't it? Mary swells up as big as a house. No way to hide it. No way to convince anybody of her innocence. Then it gets even messier. (laughs) Joseph tells her they have to travel about 70 miles as a crow flies, which if you're hiking, what, I don't know, 80, 90, 100 miles, you're nine months pregnant, and your husband says, get your shoes on. We're going to hike for a few days. You see, despite the evidence... Oh, the pictures, there's no biblical evidence that she got to ride a donkey. Never mentions that. So imagine nine months pregnant, hiking 80 to 100 miles when you're ready to pop. And then when they get to Bethlehem, the place is slammed. No place for them, so they give her a spot with the cows and the sheep and whatever else they pen up at night. It's getting to be a pretty messy Christmas. And when she has her baby... How many of you guys have been there, seen that? Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Really? Nothing silent, nothing calm, nothing peaceful about a birth. And she slumped back there exhausted, surrounded by these guys, 
It's simply not the way she expected her first birth to go. So I suspect you could have a marketable bumper sticker, right? Here it is. But happens. It does. Because no matter how good you think it's going to go or should go, but happens. And you think about all those was, but scenes in the Christmas story. I suspect Mary and Joseph was wanting a little time to prepare for their first kid. I mean, stability, a routine, some baby stuff, a little bit of money, that'd be cool. How many of you guys wanted just a little bit of time to prepare before you had your first kid, but you had your kid before you were ready? My hand's up. Julie wasn't supposed to get pregnant while we were driving from Oregon to Tennessee, sleeping in a tent at KOAs along the way, pulling everything we owned in a little trailer on our way to seminary. It wasn't supposed to happen like that. We weren't ready. And then Mary was wanting to ease up a little bit as the time got really, really close. But they're forced to take a brutal 90-mile hike at nine months pregnant. It's not like they had a lot of options. You see, the Romans were in power and they had ordered all of the Jews to return to their home base to register for taxes. No excuses. I can imagine Joseph. But my wife's nine months pregnant. I said, no excuses. And then when they got there, they was wanting a bed, I suspect, but they got a barn. And then after having their baby, they was probably wanting to go home. But they're told that King Herod wants the baby dead. So they have to run, not back home. Angel tells them to leave the country. Talk about a Christ mess, a was but on steroids. Now, can you feel any of the pieces of this story? I'm not talking about do you understand it here. Do you feel it here, what's going on? Maybe you've never been forced to ride 80, 90, 100 miles or hike that much at nine months pregnant. But have you ever been in a U-Haul traveling to a place where you didn't expect to end up? Maybe you haven't experienced a virgin birth personally. I guarantee that one. But maybe you've experienced the shock of an unexpected pregnancy for which you were totally unprepared. Maybe the government never forced you to go to a place that you didn't want to go, but maybe you felt the pressure of a tax bill, or a medical bill, or a pink slip. Maybe you never stayed in a barn. But I'll bet a whole lot of you guys have been flat out lonely stuck in a place where you didn't expect to be, feel like there was no place you fit. Or maybe you was wanting kids, but turns out you're raising a kid that's not your own biologically, and maybe that's not going so well. Or maybe your was was just romance and marriage, but instead you're single and you're just hoping there's an angel somewhere telling somebody to marry you. So... What do you do? What do you do when your things get messy, when your hope for was doesn't turn out? What does a Jesus follower do when things get messy? Now, I love Mary's first response because it's just authentic. It's just real. Angel appears to Mary says, Howdy, God sure does love you. That's my paraphrase. That's what he says. And it says, Mary was greatly troubled. 
Another translation, Mary was confused and disturbed. She was thoroughly shaken. No kidding. There's a joke I, I read about two doctors talking. One of them says, what's up with Sister Angelica? I saw her running down the hall all terrified, panic-like. What'd you say to her? Second doctor said, well, I told her she was pregnant. First doctor says, well, is she? Really? Pregnant? Nah, but it cured her hiccups, right? <laughs> Greatly troubled, confused and disturbed, thoroughly shaken, you would be too if an angel showed up and told you you were pregnant like this. Now you're a young teenager, you're unmarried, and you're pregnant, and all of your wuzzes have turned into butts, right? But her second response is the cool one. She says, all right, let's roll. More literally, I am his servant. So may everything that you've said come true. I guess I'm in. She believed and she obeyed. She trusted when God told her something that was hard and she did it. Didn't understand it. Virgin birth. You're God. I'm in. I just love those juxtapositions. She was greatly troubled, but she obeyed. She was confused and disturbed, but she trusted God anyway. She was thoroughly shaken, and then she tells the angel, okay, let's go. And if you read Joseph's story, it's more of the same. This first Christmas, he didn't believe Mary. Obviously, who would believe Mary? Joseph, don't be mad. I'm pregnant, but I didn't cheat on you. Back in 2013, there was an article in Popular Science entitled, FYI, Could a Virgin Birth Ever Really Happen? And their conclusion was, if you're a mammal, no. Now, if you happen to be a fish or an amphibian or a reptile or some insects... Some of those guys can actually switch sexes or actually reproduce like a clone, clonally. But not mammals. See, a mammal's egg isn't going to divide without a signal from the sperm. Plus, without the DNA from the sperm, the egg has only half of the chromosomes that it needs to survive. And the chromosomes from both have to work in tandem to produce the proteins in the right amounts. So if an egg does start trying to reproduce on its own, it's not going to last long, we're told, we read. Now, I don't think Joseph ever read popular science, right? I doubt if any of you guys have ever read that article in popular science. But you don't need to understand the science to know that it takes a mommy and a daddy, Right? We've known that for thousands of years. Joseph knew that too. The whole point of the story is that it's a miracle. Science will never prove a miracle, and science can never disprove a miracle. It's a miracle. And if there is a God, then you have to admit that God can break the rules. Otherwise, your notion of God is way too puny and impotent. Joseph learned that Mary was pregnant. He didn't know it was a miracle yet, so he wanted a divorce. No kidding, it's a decent thing to do. 
divorce her quietly. I mean, he could have humiliated her. He could have shamed her. He could have even brought her up on charges. But he's a decent man, a kind man, so he wants to divorce her quietly (laughs) until he has his own encounter with an angel. Angel says, just do it, Joseph. She's not lying to you. It's God's kid, and this kid is going to save all of you. So Joseph wakes up, and it says, did it. He went ahead and took Mary as his wife, and he didn't have sex with her until the son was born. And he named him Jesus. Holy cow. Now, no doubt, Joseph was greatly troubled. He was confused and he's disturbed and he's thoroughly shaken, just like his wife now. But he does exactly the same. He believes, trusts, and he obeys. He just does it. If that's what God wants me to do, I don't understand it, but I'll go. It's tough. It's going to be tough for him because either everyone's going to believe that he's the dad or else he's a wuss. They're not going to buy the story. And then he doesn't even have sex with his wife until his son is born, which is tough for a young newlywed guy. Then he sets out to raise a kid that's not his, which as many of you guys know can be tough. Then an angel shows up again and tells him that the authorities want his kid dead and tells him to flee of all places to Egypt, only a couple of hundred miles by air, just take an hour or so by plane, a few hours by bus. How about on foot with a wife and baby through desert, and you're just a Galilean peasant? And he goes. Whole lot of mess in this first Christmas story, guys. Every time it got messy, every time it got messy, Mary and Joseph said, okay, we'll do it. Troubled, confused, shaken, disturbed, absolutely. Okay, let's roll. Now, there might be some of you guys here in the room that are thinking to yourself, well, if an angel appeared to me, if God sent an angel appear to me, I'd do it. I'd do exactly what God wanted me to do. I'd go. God sends me an angel, I'll go. God, this one's on you. If you want me to do something, send me an angel. (laughs) You're lying to yourself. Because you already have way better than an angel. Did you know that? Book of Hebrews puts it like this. It says, in the past, ancient times, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, like through angels. But in these last days, he's done way better than that for us. He has spoken to us by his own son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. (laughs) Joseph and Mary got an angel. All you got's the son of God, right? The guy who made the angels, the guy who made you. Heir of all things. Now, do I think God still uses angels as messengers? Well, the Bible says so. I I buy it. Don't know I've ever experienced it. Do I think that God can tell us things not through the word or not through an angel? Can he whisper us in other ways? Yeah, I think he can. I think he does. I think the Bible makes that clear too. 
Do you think it's possible that Jesus, if he wanted to, he could just pop into this room and say, hi, guys, have a great Christmas, remember me. Wouldn't that make it pretty much the most amazing Christmas service ever? But listen, he has already spoken to us so clearly. He's already told us so many things so clearly. Sometimes what he says troubles us, it confuses us, it disturbs us, rattles us. How about just doing it? How about just believing God? How about just trusting God and doing it? How about stopping worrying so much about what you don't know and start obeying what you do know that God wants from you? I mean, there are all kinds of things you're never going to know. You're never going to know what your wife wants for Christmas, really. But you know that God wants you to love her, to cherish her, to honor her, so do it. Just the reverse for you ladies. You may never know exactly what God wants you to do for a neighbor, with a neighbor, but you know that God wants you to be a witness to your neighbor, so just do it. And you know it'd be God-honoring just to invite him to join you for service during this Christmas season, maybe to the Jingle Jam or to the Candlelight Communion, something special. You may not know exactly what God wants you to do to reach out to those who are marginal or lonely or hurting, but you know he wants you to try with somebody. He wants you to try with one what you could do if you could do for all. Because he made it crystal clear. He says, whenever you do it for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you're actually doing it for me. You may not know whether that guy or that girl is your perfect match or soulmate. But he has told us, he has told you, that if you're a Jesus follower, he wants you to marry another Jesus follower. So if they're not a Jesus follower, they are not your perfect match in his eyes. They are not your soulmate. So just obey him. Ever hear of a guy named Mark Twain? Pretty funny guy, pretty smart guy. Mark Twain said one time, he said, it ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand that bother me. How smart is that? What you understand, just do. Don't worry so much about the parts you don't understand. The parts that you do understand, just do it. Spend as much time trying to figure out how to do what you do understand as you try to spend trying to figure out what you don't understand. And I know sometimes what you understand is troubling and confusing and disturbing and rattling. Do it anyway. It's what God wants. Don't you think God will make your life way better? better? Listen. Why would God send an angel to tell me to obey something if I'm not already obeying what he's already told me as crystal clear as possible? Why would God send an angel to you to reveal something to you if you're not trusting and obeying what he has already revealed to you in Christ? Just trust him. Just obey the parts that you already clearly know. And that doesn't mean it's easy. But I'm telling you guys, if we did just that much, our Christmases would start getting a whole less messy because God is really smart and God is really good and God only wants what's going to make your life better and richer. 
I want to close this off by reading you some words from Max Lucado. Lucado's a pretty smart guy. Brilliant with words. Here's what he wrote. He says, you've stood where Joseph stood. You've been caught between what God says and what makes sense. You've done what he told you to do sometimes only to wonder whether or not it really was him speaking to you in the first place. You've stared into a sky blackened with doubt. And you've asked what Joseph asked. You've asked if you're still on the right road. You've asked if you were supposed to turn left when you actually turned right. You've asked if there's a plan behind all this scheme because things haven't turned out the way you expected they would. I mean, every one of us knows what it's like to search the night for light. Not outside a stable, perhaps, but maybe outside an emergency room or on the gravel of a roadside or on the manicured grass of a cemetery. We've asked our questions of God. We've questioned his plan. We've wondered why God does what he does. Because the Bethlehem sky is not the first sky to hear the pleadings of a confused pilgrim. So, if you're asking what Joseph asked, let me urge you to do what Joseph did. Just do it. Obey. That's what he did. He obeyed. He obeyed when the angel called. He obeyed when Mary explained. He obeyed when God sent. He was obedient to God. He was obedient when the sky was bright. He was obedient when the sky was dark. He didn't let his confusion disrupt his obedience. Listen. He didn't let his confusion disrupt his obedience. He didn't know everything, but he did what he knew. So he shut down his business, packed up his family, went to another country. Why? Because God told him to. How about you? Because like Joseph, you can't see the whole picture. Like Joseph, your task is to see that Jesus is brought into your part of the world. And just like Joseph, you have a choice, obey or not. Because Joseph obeyed, God used him to change the world. Can he do the same with you? See, God still looks for Josephs today, men and women, who believe that God is not through with this world of ours. Common people who serve an uncommon God. Will you be that kind of person? Will you serve even when you don't understand? Isn't that cool? Now, the Bethlehem sky is not the first to hear the pleadings of an honest heart, nor is it the last. But perhaps... And perhaps God didn't answer every question for Joseph, but he did answer the most important one. Are you still with me, God? And through the first cries of the God child, the answer came, yeah, I'm with you, Joseph. See, there are many questions about the Bible we're not going to be able to answer until we get home. Many knot holes, snapshots. Many times you're going to muse, I wonder. But in our wondering, there's one question we never need to ask. Does God care about you? Do you matter to God? Does God still love you? And through the small face of the stable-born baby, he says, absolutely. Oh, and your sins are forgiven. And your name is written in heaven. And your death has been defeated. And God has entered into your world. Emmanuel, because God is with us. See, guys, the answer to all of this stuff is really your answer to this question. Do you trust him? 
You trust God. Do you trust that God is big, smart, strong, and good, and wise? Do you trust that his will will always be your best way? Because that's all he wants is your best way. Do you trust him? I'm going to close with prayer in just a minute, guys. We're going to sing a song together. Some of you guys may not be trusting him right now. There may be some part of your life, there may be something big that you're just not laying in his hands. It starts with just, even when you're confused and rattled and disturbed, just trust him, guys. Just trust him. He's good and smart. He's got your best interest in mind. Just do it his way. Maybe that some of you guys need prayer about that. Like I said, we've still got an elder in the room in the back. Just slip into the back, pray with him. I'm going to sit on down here next to Kim. If you want to talk to somebody who is nice and sweet, talk to Kim. If you want to talk to a grump, talk to me, okay? And we'd be glad to pray with you. We're glad to talk to you about Jesus, making him the Lord of your life. Some of you guys haven't even started that path yet. Why wait? You can feel the Spirit nudging you. Why push back? We have a good God doing life with him, for him, his way. Card, if you pull that out, put your name on it, contact information, we'll call you. If you don't want to talk to us this morning, we'll, we'll track you down. We'll talk to you about Jesus. Why don't you pray with me, please? Father, for this story, for sending your son into our world, all we can say is thank you. for the model that we were given by these two God followers. Even in their confusion, they just followed you, did what you wanted. We just give you thanks. And we just pray, Lord, that you give us the courage and the wisdom to follow in their footsteps. You deserve everything that we've got. We thank you so much for Jesus. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Just stand up as we sing.